chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome into the first episode of the Swamp 247 Recruiting Podcast, where myself, Jacob Rudner, alongside Swamp 247 Recruiting Analyst Blake Alderman will break down all things Florida recruiting. Uh, we're going to be doing this once a week. This is our first of hopefully many episodes. Uh, every Friday, we're going to publish an episode talking only recruiting, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, we're not starting on such a hot note here. Uh, Florida last night, recording this actually on Friday morning, so publish and record same day. However, last night, uh, big L for the Gators. Cormani uh, McLean, the number two overall prospect uh, in the 2023 class in the 24-7 sports composite, came out of nowhere with a commitment to Miami. Uh, long expected to be a Florida Gator. Uh, I know you, Blake, had you know you had thought that Cormani McLean was going to be a Gator for over a year almost. Uh it's just, it was a complete and utter shock. I think that we can say that uh, not only on behalf of ourselves, but also our industry at large. And if you even want to broaden it out even more, I would say that among the coaching industry uh, and inside college football, I would say that it was even a shock there too. So uh, just a, a crazy, crazy development. And rather than uh, talk about, you know, Florida's class at large, I think it only appropriate to kind of go through this situation. Uh, and so I'm going to start there with you. I guess just give me your initial reaction to the news that Cormani McLean is going to be a Miami Hurricane uh, and, and just how much a surprise, I guess, that was. Huge surprise. You know, like you said, I've had a 24-7 sports crystal ball in for quite some time for Cormani McLean. Um, you know, was a frequent visitor under the previous staff, was a frequent visitor under the new staff. Um, you know, Corey Raymond, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, Lakeland, Florida, Polk County, an area that's been good to Florida. You know, there were a lot of things that, you know, uh, off the top of the head of no brainer type of stuff that, you know, pointed a lot of things Florida's way, you know, even through the course of this recruitment, um, Florida had felt good, you know, fully expected them to be the pick, you know, even on, in closed doors there in Gainesville, um, you know, from the, the conversations I had after this decision and of him committing to Miami, um, utter shock, you know, there was, this was not expected. Um, I know Cormani had said, you know, following that decision that, you know, he had let Miami know, um, a couple days before the pick, you know, earlier this week. Um, if that's the case, you know, Miami did an excellent job of keeping this, you know, silent, you know, pulling the rug out from Florida at the last minute there. Um, you know, again, you know, even, even in the, in the actual ceremony of, of being there boots on the ground at Cormani's decision, you know, whenever he picked Miami, um, you know, he was set to announce on a, on a stream through CBS, um, went ahead and kind of went rogue on that and made that decision before his mom said that he wanted to go ahead and get it over with before the stream had started, um, picked Miami. And, you know, you could have heard a pin drop in that room at first, you know, there was, you know, looked like surprise on his mother's face, his sister's face. 
Um, you know, I, again, you know, from from the industry to coaching circles to, you know, me, myself personally, um, this was a big shock of him picking Miami, you know, and I say that because, you know, for the last several months, you know, this was seen as primarily a battle between Florida and Alabama with Florida being the team that everybody was watching. Um, and here comes Miami swooping in there, you know, last minute leading up to maybe not last minute, but, you know, near the end of this, of this race, Miami swoops in and is the, it is the pick. So, you know, again, you know, all those things considered, you know, huge shock. I guess my question is, and we were talking about this to a degree before we started recording today, where does this stack up in terms of all time shocks? I mean, this is, this is, this rattled some people. I think you and I last night were even texting after it happened, just completely blown away. I don't know that I've experienced me personally. I have never experienced that. I have never been in a place where I uh, thought one thing was going to happen. I was so confident in it and then it didn't happen. And just the utter shock that that came with, I have to imagine that it's up there for you too. You've seen a lot more recruiting than I have though. So I'm curious, where does this sit? Like what give, give me some level of perspective here to kind of try and calculate where a shock like this stacks up relative to others. And I know that, Florida fans might even not want to hear that, but I, I am so curious. So I guess I guess give me the put it put it on the playing field all time for me. Okay. So this one is definitely number one for me um, as far as shocks. I would say just off the top of my head, without really like looking through, you know, my top three shocking moments, a far sure. off third is probably Dalvin Cook. Um, okay. I think it was one of those where it was expected. I don't know if shock is maybe the word, but you had a kid that you know, before he made that flip from Florida to Florida State was at the Under Armour week, um, you know, going into, you know, various things that they do during Under Armour, um, enters gator chomping, things like that, flips to Florida State the same day as some of those antics that happened there. So uh, this one probably wasn't a shot compared to some of the others, but, you know. I think whenever you kind of set the table of that one, a little bit of shock factor there. Um, second for me, everyone likes to, to mention me on this one um, from attending that ceremony a couple of years ago, four-star uh, Vontae Williams. Um, that was one where Florida was the perceived pick. You know, I had a crystal ball in. I wouldn't have shown up to the ceremony uh, driving all the way from, from my hometown to the land um, if I wasn't expecting Florida to be the pick. But that was one where obviously he picked Miami. Um that was one where I never really was uber confident on Florida being the pick. That was my, my decision, you know, that on signing day, that was my, my final prediction there. Um, but there was still some chatter of Miami still in touch. And that was one where, you know, you just never really felt good that, that you kind of thought heading into that decision that anything could still happen. Granted, I did think it was Florida had a pick on Florida, um, but Miami was still a factor there, but you know, that one is definitely number two. Cormani McLean. I, I think that there's some comparisons to the Avante Williams decision. But again, that was one where I wasn't completely sure, you know, heading into to Avante Williams decision. Whereas Cormani McLean, you know, I, I probably would have bet the house on it. You know, I would have took that bit that pick to Vegas. Um yeah. would have never thought of anything of it. I've never been so sure of a wrong pick, you know, in this case. And uh, you know, like I said before, even um, I think that makes it a little bit even more shocking is the fact that the only two schools that were really talked about from contacts, from sources, just from people around Lakeland High School involved in Cormani that, you know, are, are familiar with this recruitment. Um, those were the two schools talked about. So for Miami to come out of left field there, I think that takes takes the cake of that one being the most shocking that I've covered so far in my 10 years of, of dealing with recruiting. Yeah, and I mean, I, I didn't cover this recruitment as closely as you did, but I, I mean, even in the conversations I had with some people, it sounded like 
you know, there was, there was a category of two schools all along. It was Florida and Alabama. You know, Florida was the heavy favorite. But if something crazy happened yesterday, and I'm talking like based on what I was hearing, crazy might not even do justice to the level of surprise that this would have been. But the crazy thing would have been if he picked Alabama. Alabama was not expecting them to be the pick. Alabama was not expecting anybody but Florida to be the pick. So for me, I I, I would have been surprised personally by Crimson Tide being the hat of choice. And here he goes. He picks Miami. I don't think anybody, even Miami, saw that coming. And again, you know, we, we've since heard that perhaps there was, uh, you know, Cormani had let them know either a day or a couple days before. Uh, and it was it was one of those things where it was like it was kept a secret, which is just shocking to me in today's day and age. But but I think the reality for me is is that I was hearing even, and again I didn't cover this as closely as you did, that anybody but Florida would have been a shock. And of the three schools that had a hat on the table, he picked the third most likely. He picked last place in terms of people's expectations. I personally was blown away. Uh, you know. We can debate how something like this happens, whether it's uh, based on recruiting or financial. NIL is obviously uh, a massive component in today's day and age. I personally would lean in that direction. I don't know that this was something that Florida's coaches really could have prevented. Uh, to me, this came down to uh, the checkbooks uh, and, and how much boosters were willing to do. Um I'm curious for your take on that before we kind of talk implications of Florida just plainly not getting Cormani McLean, regardless of the reason. Let's talk about how and why uh, you think this might have happened. But to my knowledge, you you might still not actually know concretely. You know, I think it's definitely NIL driven. Um, you know, I think whenever you have the unexpected happen like how it did in Miami being the pick, you know, I think sure. that leads to NIL. You know, and I think that um, – you know, in this day and age of recruiting with NIL being such a factor that it is now, um, sometimes, you know, it can simply come down to that. You know, and I, I don't think that this was something to where, you know, f I just I guess I don't know what more Florida staff could have done. You know, obviously they're pitching a chance to come in and play early. You know, a guy like Cormani McLean, um, granted, maybe a couple schools here and there, depending on their depth chart. That's a guy that, you know, maybe wasn't going to go in and start everywhere, but he was going to go in and he was going to get in the rotation just about every school in the country. Sure. Um, so, you know, it definitely wasn't something to where any kind of playing time factor or anything like that, you know, again, you know, Florida staff, you know, from communicating with, um, you know, Cormani, his camp, you know, whatever have you, however you want to picture that um, Florida had felt like they were doing everything right. You know, they were expecting to be the pick, you know, people that had communicated that to Florida that, you know, everything was fine. Everything was good. Um, so for things to, to turn, how it did, you know, it's one thing for recruiting industry people to be surprised, you know, does it happen? Absolutely. Did it happen in this case? Absolutely. P recruiting, you know, predictions and, you know, guesses and things like that are, you know, usually pretty right for the most part. Um, not always the case, but, you know, for people in college coaching circles, you know, and from the the surprise that I had been hearing on the, on the end of Florida there, you know, I, I think that you don't have that level of surprise, you know, and thinking that you've done everything right, expecting to be the pick and things to go, you know, left like it did without it being NIL driven. So that's, that's what I think was really the main driving factor there. This to me is, a situation that, like I said before I asked you that, regardless of how or why or all those, you know, that's it, it could take forever to really piece through the whole process of this and kind of learn uh, 
the timeline and the order of events. I, I still, though, would say that, and I think fairly, uh, there are some heavy implications of not getting Cormani and McLean into your class if you're Florida. And again, let me reiterate, this is not me saying, wow, well, Florida really messed up, or this is, I can't believe Billy Napier didn't close. No, I'm not saying any of that. It's not, I think the people who are saying that are maybe taking this a step too far. Uh, however, I, I do know and recognize that this is a big deal uh, to not land a guy who people were kind of counting on your class having. I mean, it's just an elite prospect, number two overall on the composite, number four for us independently. Uh, to not have this guy, does that pump the brakes? Does it completely put a halt on the hopes of a top five class? What does this do to Florida looking forward, in your opinion, just knowing who they're kind of still in the mix with uh, and who they might have a shot at in order to propel them past number six? This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I think from top to bottom, looking at Florida's class, you know, it's still a good class. You know, I think they still have a shot to be a top 10 class. They're ranked, I think, ninth now after the change yeah. of Cormani. I think Miami had jumped them for eight. Um, you know, from top to bottom, you know, it's still a good class. But for Florida fans and the expectations of wanting to, to take that next step and get to the top five classes or get back to, you know, the Urban Meyer days of recruiting that a lot of Florida fans really liked whenever those were the days. Um, sure. You know, I think that – um, Corimani McLean landing him. If you're Florida, I think that was really the first step you had to take, um, to inching towards or achieving a top five class, maybe not top five, you know, outright with just how the numbers work whenever rankings are done and team rankings. Yeah. I mean, um, but it was, it was the first step to, to achieve getting close to that. I think that, um, you have to regroup there, you know, can Florida change the tides with some of these five-star guys like a Quay Rasaw, a James Smith, you know, the defenders out of the, out of, uh, out of Alabama there at Carver high school. Um, can Florida somehow become a late player for a Samson Okunlola, a five-star offensive tackle out of, out of uh, Massachusetts there. Um, we'll see where things play out there, but I, you know, whenever you, look at recruiting and you look at the five-star targets that were on Florida's board, the ones that I mentioned, you know, a guy like Cormani McLean, who was already on that board as well. You know, Cormani was Florida's top target overall in 2023, um, a position of need there. You know, it's hard to call anybody a layup in this day and age of recruiting, but Cormani McLean seems about as close to that as you can. Um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, that, like I said, that was the first step of taking that, 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 chance of getting towards the top five class and uh you know it's, it's a much tougher path now you know and i think at this point you're looking at you know top 10 you know somewhere around there that's that's the best bet for going forward there but overall you know florida's class still really good hits a lot of areas that they needed to hit on it's still a very good defensive back class from top to bottom with what they've done Absolutely. so far but landing a guy like cormani mcclain takes a really good class to one of the best in the country at the position in 2023 um an elite type of class so you're getting the really good players and you're you know pulling in a really good haul there at the secondary, but you wanted to bring in talent. You know, Billy Napier said this is a talent acquisition business um, and landing those elite types of players was the next step of, you know, turning that really good class into an elite class. And, and that's what makes it sting. 
Yeah, and I, I guess that naturally kind of pushes us forward into a conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script on you based on what we we uh, talked about before the show and how we were gonna kind of order things here. Uh, you mentioned a couple other five star names that Florida has a shot with that Florida remains involved with, but my question is, where does Florida stand in terms of elite talent acquisition? Because, and and again. Let me just be abundantly clear because people like to try and take things out of context sometimes. I am not hitting the panic button. I don't think you are either. I actually think Florida has done a very good job recruiting so far in this cycle. I still think that they have a very good class, like you said. I still think that their defensive back class in particular is still very good. It might not be elite. It might not be the best in the country, but it's up there. It's good. Uh, And I think that their class overall is still very good. There's a reason it's ranked ninth in the country. However... We would be remiss to not point out the fact that there have been several high-profile targets in the 2023 class that Florida seemed to be either well in the running, if not leading for, who have ended up at other schools, Miami in particular. I am curious, Blake, is there a trend you're seeing here that could be problematic? What is leading to Florida not landing the elite elite guys i'm talking top 50 prospects what's going on here what needs to change in order for florida to be able to kind of pull those guys in well you know from from talking about you know whenever you mentioned losing some of these battles to miami you know the three that you know stand out the most to me are obviously cormani mclean um, quarterback Jaden Rashada and linebacker Malik Bryant and all three of those guys you know from checking you know where things were maybe leading up to the decision or you know the intel following after the decision you know those three seem to be heavily NIL driven so I think that you know that's one area to where you know and, and it's hard because that's not something that's really in the coaching staff's hands you know that's something that is handled from you know, boosters, you know, those collectives that, you know, operate, you know, outside of the UAA and the University of Florida. Um, So, you know, I think that's something to where you have to, you know, maybe tweak some things or, you know, figure out some things, you know, a a lot of people that say, you know, with NIL, you know, these deals that are, that are being formulated once guys get there on campuses, you know, that, you know, such and such overpaid for, for a player, you know, And, and maybe that's true, you know, we'll see how things go down the line there. But, you know, if you're wanting to, um, play the game of, you know, NIL and the way recruiting is now, you know, sounds like overpaying might be the way to really build those big classes. And does that follow the model of, of uh, Texas A&M's 2022 highly regarded recruiting class to where a lot of people thought that was heavily NIL driven um, and then things maybe not working out so good. Some talks of, you know, is the the season that A&M's having, is that going to lead to a lot of departures, you know, for a class that, you know, maybe went more for NIL reasons, you know, we'll see, you know, if that's, that's the case around the country for a lot of schools, you know, you can't really put your hat on where, what A&M or one school does. So, um, you know, I think that adapting with the things of NIL and, and I don't really know what the answer is, you know, what, what it is to fix there, except for, sure. you know, do you have to have those conversations with the collectives? Is there a, a, a plan of action there, you know, to not have the rug swept out from under you? But, you know, I think even, uh, you know, a guy like AJ Harris, you know, the five-star cornerback who, you know, back in the spring, you know, shows up to Florida for a, for a visit there, I think in March or, you know, April, something like that, you know, gives the coaching staff some indication that, you know, that one's leaning towards Florida, that, you know, that's going to be the case. And, you know, never really made that public announcement of going to Florida, um, even though that, you know, those conversations were had behind closed doors, ended up at Georgia, you know, and that's one of those cases to where, um, you know, is, I don't know if that one was really NIL driven, that one I'm not too sure of. 
Um, that was just one to maybe where, you know, you've got a new staff that's, you know, trying to figure things out, the landscape of Florida and recruiting. But, you know, I think for me, and, and, it, and I feel like it's kind of some shades, you know, to where Dan Mullen's recruiting under Florida, it needed to improve, you know, landing those elite guys. I think that Billy Napier has taken the next step of kind of getting those, you know, top 100, high four-star type of players that can come in and really make an impact and not getting some of those guys that have a ranking but, you know, really didn't have those big time schools that were actually pressing for them. Maybe they did offer earlier on or there was an offer that maybe wasn't committable, um, you know, and, and they, you know, Florida comes in and gets that to kind of pad the, the, the ranking of a class, you know, with the star rating types of things. I think we've sure. taken the next step with Billy Napier of, you know, getting that next step of those top 100, you know, top 150, 200 type of players that, you know, can be big time players that you're actually really beating out other schools for. And it's not just a hat on the table type of decision. But again, you know, same thing I said with Dan Mullen and them. It's about getting those elite guys, taking that next step, those top tier players to where I think Billy Napier is doing very good in recruiting. The staff in general is doing very good in recruiting. But in the SEC, you have to recruit great. Good isn't good enough. Great is what you have to do to battle with the, you know, the LSUs, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Texas A&Ms, you know, who still right. is recruiting really well. And you've got Texas coming into the SEC. You've got Oklahoma coming to the SEC. You know, those are right. schools that are typically pretty high on the on the recruiting rankings and bringing in those types of players. So the next step is obviously taking the, the, the you know, getting those elite types of players. And I think that with NIL being a driving factor now, you know, there needs to be some work done there. Um, I think that in general, you know, could you have, could you have maybe checked things around a little bit more if you're Florida? You know, I just don't know that really a lot of those battles were really anything more the Florida staff could have done because I did, again, you know, the, this landscape of NIL is changing college football recruiting. It's changing college football. And it's, it's really kind of a new age of college football recruiting with that being such a driving factor. Right. It's, it's one of those things that makes it really hard for me personally in terms of like, you know, you always want to calibrate where the fault lies or not even necessarily blame, but, but just, uh, where the issue is, I think, is something that you always want to try and identify in these situations. You want to figure out uh, what contributed to a school not landing the talent that it was pursuing or what is allowing other schools to swoop in and take kids who are leaning towards your program. Uh, those are things that you want to figure out early because that's the kind of stuff that ends up becoming really problematic as you go on. Uh, and this is difficult. I, you know, I've seen a lot of there's you know, obviously some fans are saying this. I've seen some writers imply this in the last 24 hours, really 12 hours, that this falls on Billy Napier. And that if, you know, without a Cormani McLean or an elite five-star prospect, that his bump class is a failure. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that there's a lot of room between failure and maybe not as good as it could have been. I think that you there's like perfect and there's failure, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of space between these two ends. You know what I mean? So I, for me, I, I think that people do need to soften or a lot of people do need to soften their view. Uh, mostly because I have a feeling that Miami came in with an offer that Cormani McLean couldn't refuse. And here we are and we're having this conversation. I think that the concern right now is can Florida compete financially for some of these kids? Uh, I think, would be hard pressed to believe that there were no NIL packages or talks uh, with Cormani McLean and his representatives and family from Florida. So I don't, it's not that there was a zero, 
but I just, it's clearly not as much as Miami because again, I personally am choosing not to believe that Florida was simply out recruited here, that there was a phone call, some magical phone call between Mario Cristobal and Cormani McLean, where he showed him the light and convinced him that Miami was a better choice. I don't think that that's how this went down. Uh, I think it, like you said earlier in the podcast, it's quite plain to see that this is likely an NIL influence decision. So if that's the case, is, does Florida not have the capacity to match? Or did Cormani McLean not tell Florida? Was this kept a secret from everybody? Because it seemed, like you said, there was a sense of shock widely when it came down to this decision. He says Miami for the first time last night, and everybody's surprised. And so I do wonder if this is something where, you know, the NIL was great, Cormani was told, keep it under wraps, let's shock the world. And they did that. So I think that there's a lot to try and unpack here. And hopefully we'll do that. And, and if you would like to continue to kind of get the inside track uh, on all things Florida recruiting, especially this situation as it continues to unfold, uh, we would encourage you to subscribe over at swamp247.com because while the podcast that we do is great, uh, we just simply have so much more information over on the website, be that in an article form or on our message board where Blake, myself, and Graham Hall are constantly providing, you know, behind the scenes insight on recruiting and all things Florida, you know, football, basketball, and baseball. So uh, definitely make sure you check out the site if you want more info uh, just in general. However, keep it locked on the podcast too. This is going to be a weekly thing with you and I. We're going to talk recruiting every Friday. Uh, podcasts are always posted on YouTube, and then we obviously have them on our audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Blake, before we wrap up today's show, I'm going to ask you one more question. Let's give the fans a little bit of hope here. Uh, for those who have stuck with us through this basically 25 minutes so far, this is hopefully something that will make you happy. Uh, what can fans expect next? Are there names on the horizon that maybe people should start turning their attention to? Is there anybody who could be close to a Florida commitment? Uh, what do the next couple of weeks look like before we sign off here? Well, the only guy that really has a date that's been set in stone um, that has Florida as a finalist is four-star defensive tackle Caden McDonald. He's going to decide on Halloween. Um, I haven't seen a time yet for that, but Halloween is his commitment date. Um, he's down to Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida. Um, that's a recruitment where it's been kind of tricky to really track things down um, because he's someone that, you know, every visit he takes, he really likes. You know, he could very well come away with, you know, after a visit having whatever school he was just on the campus of being his top school. You know, I think he really likes um, – what he sees, you know, I think he's someone that somewhat gets caught up in the moment. Um, but, you know, leading into that decision, you know, the schools I've heard the most about um, Ohio state um, Clemson and uh, Florida are the three schools that I've heard the most about, you know, I think Ohio state is the team where I'm leaning at this point, but it, it's, again, it's a tricky recruitment because, you know, all five of those schools feel like they're still alive in that recruitment. You know, there's still conversations that they're having with him. There's really been no drop off. Um, and that's the recruitment to where even, you know, even if I, you know, start to lean a little bit heavier towards Ohio State, you know, of, of that's where I think he's going to land. I don't know that I'd feel confident logging a crystal ball in general on him, you know, just because I, I just it's, it's hard to predict those types of recruitments to where, you know, so many things are still going on with only a couple days left until his decision date. So sure. um, that's one where Florida, I think. I'd be surprised if they're the pick, you know, I think they have some ground to make up there. Um, does losing a Cormani McLean change their approach and they make a, a last minute charge there and they change the tides for a guy that could easily be swayed by conversations and visits he has. There's some hope there maybe for that, I guess, if you're a Florida fan, but um, you know, right now as of, you know, Friday at 
1131 on October 28th, you know, I don't think Florida is going to be the pick for him. So, um, you know, but that's, you know, someone that, you know, has a decision date. You know, I think that, you know, from checking around, staying on the defensive line, you know, I don't know any type of timeline for decision or anything like that, but checking around UCF commit John Walker is someone that there's been some growing confidence um, that Florida has, you know, got a chance to maybe pull off a flip there. Um, again, really no timeline, you know, for that. You know, he's talked about taking an official visit in December to Florida. Um, I think that's absolutely necessary to have because, you know, he's taken three visits to Florida this fall, um, and I don't believe his mother has been on any of those visits with him. That's one of the people in his recruitment that, you know, with his commitment to UCF, you know, liked the thought of him being home. And, you know, I, that's not to say that John didn't like UCF on his own. Um, but, you know, I think that whenever you've got a parent um, that, you know, has her baby boy, you know, very close to the right. hometown, the family, you know, I think that that's an imperative person for Florida to get on campus there for an official visit because everybody knows that Florida needs defensive linemen. Everybody knows that Florida is pitching early playing time to true freshmen on the defensive line. So I think having John sit down and hear that pitch is important for an official visit because everything is really laid out on the table. Every, every nook and cranny of campus is seen. Every bit of your program from top to bottom is, is displayed. Um, so I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be important for an official visit there, but as far as somebody to keep an eye on, because there is, like I said, growing confidence of where Florida stands in that recruitment. You know, I think that he's someone to watch, um, you know, as far as other targets, um, I would have to pull up the target list. You know, I think that, you know, I mentioned Quay uh, Rasaw um, and, and James Smith. They're a pair of uh, five-star teammates out of the out of the state of Alabama. You know, I think Alabama is where I'm leaning for them. You know, I think that, that that's going to be a hard recruitment for Florida to pull those guys out of Nick Saban's clutch right there in, in the home state of Alabama. Um, but I do think an official visit for the LSU game a couple weeks back, um, I think Florida's probably running second in that recruitment right now. You know, I think that that's one to where – you know, you could definitely want to get him on campus again. You know, Quay, when I talked to him um, to kind of recap his official visit to Florida, he mentioned that, you know, possibly could come back for the South Carolina game for an unofficial visit. I think that's important because, you know, this is a guy that's only visited Florida's campus two times over the course of his recruitment. Um, so, you know, getting him back again, where someone that has visited um, Alabama quite a bit, you know, that's important there, um, but still some work to do for Florida there. And, you know, even the news of Cormani McLean, the five-star cornerback picking Miami, you know, Florida still has a five-star target that I do think they have work to do with, but is someone that I think is, is going to be talked about more. And I know there have been conversations with five-star Desmond Ricks, who just recently reclassified from the 2024 to the 2023 class. Those conversations were had well before Cormani McLean picked right. Miami. But I think now you're going to see a growing need because Florida had a chance to get a five-star defensive back in a position room that has been struggling this year. You're trying to infuse that talent. So I think that the need for a guy like Desmond Ricks Maybe overall top to bottom defensive back. You've got a really good class so far now. You know, I don't think that that's the same type of need as far as, you know, offensive line, defensive line, some of those areas on Florida's depth chart where, you know, you just don't have the depth simply. Um, you know, I don't sure. think that, you know, landing another DB is is that important, but landing a five-star type of player, an elite type of player to bring talent into this roster is important. Um, I think LSU and Alabama are probably in the best spot for Ricks right now. But, you know, I can tell you that Ricks was in conversations with Florida on Thursday night after, you know, the decision of Coramani McLean. So Florida's still definitely pushing there. Um, they're going to try to get an official visit for him. I think that that's 
pretty likely for that to happen. But I do think they have some ground to make up over, over the LSUs and the Alabamas. But Florida's got Corey Raymond there. That's, you know, one of the reasons why Ricks has had such high interest in Florida already so far is the relationship he's got there with him, the resume uh, that Corey Raymond has. So those are a couple of names that I would say, you know, one of those being Cade McDonald that has the decision date set, but the other guys are, you know, maybe Florida's in a, a better spot than maybe people know from the surface there, or maybe there's some growing confidence like a guy like John Walker. So no decision dates for any of those guys outside of Cade McDonald, but those are probably some guys, I'm, you know, just kind of looking and scanning the, the targets list that I would say keep an eye on. Well, Desmond Ricks, the number 15 overall prospect in the 2023 class on the 24-7 sports composite after he reclassified. Uh, corner out of IMG Academy. So definitely something to keep an eye on. For this episode of the Recruiting Podcast, though, that's going to do it. Uh, once again, though, keep it locked on our YouTube page. Uh, subscribe and turn on notifications. We post multiple videos a week, including now our brand new Swamp 247 recruiting show. Uh, but for this one, that's all. So for Blake Alderman, my name is Jacob Rudner, and we will see you on the next episode.